Hello, and welcome to Vital Views, UNLV School of Nursing podcast. I'm Joe Gascioni, Communications Director for the School of Nursing. Is water immersion an effective way to allow pregnant women to give birth? That's the overall takeaway from a new national review involving one of UNLV nursing's faculty. This review looked at 36 studies involving at least 150,000 women to see the potential positive outcomes of water births. This research even gained enough attention to be featured on a recent broadcast of Good Morning America, as well as multiple health-related publications across the country. Joining us today to talk about water immersion and this research is Dr. Jennifer Vanderlaan, Assistant Professor at UNLV School of Nursing. She's also a certified nurse midwife and family nurse practitioner and one of the co-authors of this new review. Dr. Vanderlaan, thanks for stopping in. Thank you for having me. Before we get to the study, can we just talk more about water immersion in general? What is it? How does it work during labor and delivery? Sure. Water immersion is the use of a large tub of warm water. So you could think of it like sitting in a hot tub, except the water is kept at body temperature. We use water immersion during labor because it's an effective way to reduce the pain that's associated with contractions. And at the same time, being in the water increases a person's ability to move around in response to their contractions so they can change positions easier. When women are offered the ability to be in a tub, it reduces the use of epidurals and other pharmacologic pain relief tools. In studies, people who use water immersion have reported that they get other benefits as well. They tell us that they have less fear, they have a better ability to relax, and there's an increased sense of control. When people want to use water immersion, the usual process is to undergo your initial assessments, all the things that the nurse and midwife will do to verify that you are in labor and both mom and baby are healthy. Once we know everything is progressing normally, the individual can start using the tub. When I say using the tub, though, I don't mean they have to stay in the tub the whole time. They, the person can get in and out of the water based on what is most comfortable at that moment. So it might feel good to be in the water for a while, and then the person might want to walk around for a while and come back to the tub later. Oftentimes, people will get out of the tub to go to the bathroom and decide they want to stay in an upright position. So they do something else for a while before getting back in the tub. Eventually, the act of labor turns into the pushing stage of labor. Some people do like to stay in the water for the pushing part because it continues to offer pain relief and increased mobility. In an earlier study that I did, I found out that just over half of the people who use the tub during labor stay in the tubs for pushing and actually give birth in the tubs. And when birth happens in the tub, we call that water birth. I imagine for parents listening to this, maybe the first reaction is going to be, well, what happens to the baby when the baby comes out? Is it totally submerged in water? Does the nurse midwife or another health professional immediately grab it? How does that work? The baby does come out totally submerged in the water. In fact, that's important because if the baby isn't completely underwater, you could initiate, if the baby touches the air, you might start breathing. So the baby is born completely underwater. And then once the, the full body is out, the midwife will bring the baby up out of the water and put the, usually put the baby on the mom's chest and the baby doesn't go back under the water again. And how common are water births in the U.S.? Not very common. We don't have good statistics on it, but I did check. Um, We included data about it in a survey that we did for nurse midwives, and I found that about 26% of practices uh, with midwives will offer water birth, but about half of those are practices that only do home 
or birth center birth. So it's not very common in hospitals in the United States. Is that part of a debate about traditional labor versus natural birth and what's right and what's wrong? Is that part of a bigger issue or is it just preference? Most people don't choose to have it. I think it has to do actually with it's just not available. Right. I think I think a lot of people enjoy being in a hot tub. They they think it's comfortable to be in water and they would use it if it was available. But it's it's simply not available in the United States in most places. So now we get into this review. Can you talk about what this this national review uncovered? Well, the short answer to that question is that there are actually benefits to the birthing person when water immersion is used. And there are some that are specific to the use of water immersion in a hospital. These benefits are an increase in intact perineum and a reduction in postpartum hemorrhage. But the longer answer is that this project was designed so that we could make sense of prior meta-analyses. None of the prior work found problems with water immersion, but the prior studies didn't agree about whether or not there were benefits. When I look at the results of the meta-analysis, I find a statistical signature that tells me, as a researcher, that the studies aren't measuring the same thing. Now, normally when this happens, it means that the people who are doing a study are using different measures for their outcomes. But this doesn't make sense for water birth because almost all the options or all the outcomes they're measuring are yes-no options taken from the medical record. So there shouldn't be this, this statistical signature just because they're not measuring the same thing. One of the prior meta-analyses stood out because it had very little of this variation. We call it heterogeneity. That's the statistical signature. So one study stood out because it had very little of this, and that was a meta-analysis that my team published in 2017. In that particular meta-analysis, we only looked at studies completed in hospitals. We did that because in the United States, 98% of births occur in hospitals. So what happens in hospitals was a really important part of the question for us. We were surprised when we finished the research and found very little heterogeneity because it had been so established that the evidence was divided. Our review demonstrated that the evidence for water immersion in hospitals wasn't divided. There appeared to be some potential benefits. So based on those particular findings, we approached this study really expecting that we could find the reasons for this heterogeneity. Why was the evidence divided. We expected to test different ways of providing care, things like the way that labor inductions are done or different methods for listening to the fetal heartbeat, those kind of things that maybe those were making a difference in what the outcomes were. One of the things that we decided that we should measure is the setting for childbirth, whether it was in a hospital or somewhere else. So in the end, this study did demonstrate that some of the heterogeneity reported in the prior studies was due to these differences, like in the type of care provided. One example of that is when we controlled for the rate of episiotomy and the proportion of the sample that were giving birth for the first time, we found there was very little heterogeneity in the analysis for intact perineum, and the outcome was 100% better when women give birth in water. So this study, what this study really adds is it helps us identify what are the actual benefits of water immersion. And (laughs) I wrote down the list for you so that I had it here. The maternal benefits are the reduced use of opioids, the reduced use of epidural, reduced reports of pain, reduced use of episiotomy, increased rate of intact perineum, reduced postpartum hemorrhage, 
and increased maternal satisfaction. And we also found there's a possible reduction in maternal infection, but we had very few studies to do that, so we need to look at that more. And the neonatal benefit was an improved five-minute APGAR. It almost seems ironic that you use epidurals, you use certain medications to relieve that pain to almost numb it, but yet by reducing the use in water births, it's actually better for the mom. Potentially. We didn't measure whether or not the rate of epidural was having any effect on some of these um, some of these outcomes. Um, just that they, they used it less. Right, right. We just know that they used it less. And part of that is because we didn't have we didn't have justification in the prior literature to tell us that, you know, well, maybe use of epidural is part of what's leading to episiotomies. That just doesn't exist in the literature. And without a justification for that, we didn't feel that we needed to test for it. But we did have we did have other things. For example, the intact perineum. The reason that there is an improved intact perineum, part of it is there's a reduced use of episiotomy. Which, when you think about how these studies have been conducted all over the world, all different kinds of hospitals with all different kinds of practices, it makes sense that in some hospitals where they do a lot of episiotomies, you're going to find a really big drop in the intact perineums because an episiotomy cuts the perineum. And in places where they don't use a lot of episiotomies, you might see almost no difference with water immersion because they're not tearing the perineum. The only tears you're going to get are the ones that are natural. But what's really interesting is once we controlled for that, it still showed there was a reduction with water birth, which is pretty exciting. Were there any drawbacks that you found to water births in this review? There, In this review, yes, there is one drawback, and that is there's an increase in what we call cord avulsion. That's when the, the umbilical cord snaps um, at birth. It's it turned out to be very rare in this in this analysis. We did have a couple studies that looked at it. The overall analysis told us that there was a higher rate. But one study was so large that it was 97% of the weight of that analysis was due to one study. Mm. And when we removed that one study, there was no longer an increase in cord snap. And interestingly, that study had been done in a, in a midwifery setting, not in a hospital. When we looked at just the hospital settings, there was no increase in cord snap. So it might be that maybe midwives just have naturally have a lower a number of cord snaps than in hospitals. Well, midwives who work in other in non-hospital settings have a lower number of cord snaps. And so it just shows up in water birth that that increases there based on their low rate, not based on hospitals rates. Okay. I want to get a little more in the weeds for a second. Now, you are one of the co-authors of this study. Who were the other researchers that you worked with? <laughs> I worked, um, one of them was Priscilla Hall. Dr. Priscilla Hall is a assistant professor at Emory University. And this is my third meta-analysis that I've conducted with her on water birth. The um, lead author is Dr. Ethel Burns, who is at um, Oxford Brooks University in the UK, and Claire Feely, um, who is also in the UK. Um, Dr. Burns, who is the lead author, um, published the very first systematic reviews on water birth way back in, I think it was 2004. She's been doing this a long time. Wow. When you get together and you propose doing a big review like this, I and mean, when we talk about 36 studies, at least 150,000 women involved in these studies, how do you know when to stop? How do you know when to say 36 studies is more than enough, 150,000 women is more than enough? 
Oh, that doesn't even come into it. (laughs) No, it doesn't. The way that a systematic review works is that you have a very defined inclusion and exclusion criteria and a very defined search strategy. And so you employ your search strategy, you find all the studies that are potentially able to be included, and then you go through each study individually to see if it meets the inclusion or exclusion criteria. And then when you're done, you search for missing papers, things that you might have missed. You go through the reference list of every study that is in your study to see if there is something that you missed that might be included. And you have to periodically run your search again to see if anything new had been published. So we didn't pick this number as enough. This is just the number that met our inclusion criteria. Okay. I want to circle back to something we spoke about at the beginning about access to natural birth sites. Mm -hmm. Why is there a lack of access for water birth? (laughs) Okay. One of the challenges that people face when they want to use water immersion in labor is that water immersion isn't anything that's tracked in any of our population level data. We have this problem in the United States that things that nurses do are sort of covered in the hospital fees. It's just part of the day fee. If the nurse is working with the laboring woman to get in some different positions or doing some back rubs, none of that gets charged. We have no idea how often nurses are doing that. What does get charged and what we do have evidence on is what the physicians do, the procedures. We know how many cesareans there are. We know how many epidurals there are. We, you know, Anything that the hospital can bill for, we have evidence on. So we don't really know how common or how effective some of these things are at the population level. It all has to come from these studies because we don't measure it. And this is really common with midwifery and nursing interventions because they're not included in the billing data. So if you're not included in the billing data, it's really hard to justify economically why a hospital should invest in having water immersion. And remember, you're trying to convince them to bring in something that's going to reduce the use of an epidural, which is something that they can bill for. So if you can't make an economic argument, you're not going to get past the CFO. Are water immersions typically at home? Are they at birthing centers? Are there are those the two primary spots where you can have that? Or can you have them at hospitals? You can have them at hospitals. There are some hospitals in the United States that have water tubs and, and encourage women to use them. When my daughter was born, way back in 1999, the hospital had a tub. They encouraged women to use it during labor, but they didn't do births in it. It wasn't an appropriate tub for birthing. Mm-hmm. But there are there are hospitals. They're not in every community, but they do exist. And we have, this is a shameless plug, but we do have a birthing center here in town, Serenity Birthing Center. Yes, we do. Which is, as of this year, the first freestanding birthing center in Southern Nevada. It was actually founded by one of our school's alumna, yes. April Clyde. Um, they, and I've been there. They have water birth tubs in both of their birth rooms. And they're huge. I've been there as well. They <laughs> they are, if you just like hot tubs in general, it's it's like a dream. <laughs> were, you, were you surprised by any of the data from this review? Even though I knew from our review that we that it was the evidence was pretty clear and clean on hospitals, I was still surprised with this study. The prior review that we had done only looked at the neonatal outcomes, and this study looked more at the maternal outcomes. Uh, so I was, I was really pleasantly surprised that we got such, um, that we were able to measure these benefits and to actually be able to explain why sometimes they're not seen in the literature. 
Where does the research go from here? There's a couple things that we need to do. Uh, One of the things that we need to do is we need to figure out what are the protocols that are going to allow the largest number of women to use water in labor safely and effectively. Right now, um, because the research is still sort of focused on demonstrating that there's these, you know, that it's safe, that nobody's done the research for quality improvement and implementation to, to clean up what we use for our protocols. So that's a really big piece that we need. Uh, the other piece that we need is we need to figure out how to implement water birth on a, a better scale in the United States. We have a little bit of a different labor and delivery system that they have in most parts of the world where they use water immersion and labor. The difference is we don't staff our hospitals with midwives. We staff our hospitals with nurses. So when you read um, example protocols from other countries and when you read these studies, a lot of what is happening is the midwife or the physician is sort of in charge of everything. And that makes sense when you think about the midwife is there at the bedside. There's no nurse. So we need to figure out what can the nurse do on his or her own without having to have the midwife on site. Because we do have we do have hospitals where midwives and physicians are on site all the time, but we have a lot of hospitals in the United States where that is not what they're doing. They don't have the capacity to do that in their regions. And in order to bring water birth to those types of places, we have to clearly define what is within the scope of the nurse. And that leads me to a final question that I was thinking about when it comes to talking about water births, There are probably families out there who might be considering it, but they have to understand, too, this is not just something you can do at your house without a health professional, correct? You need to have the right resources, even if you want to pursue this. Yes. When we did a study of – we looked at case studies of poor neonatal outcomes with water immersion – And there were two things that we found were really associated with poor outcomes. One was using contaminated water. Now, hospitals have to test their water all all the time, right? I mean, this is just part of what a hospital does. But families at home don't always think about whether they have a pathogen in their their water source, you know. So – but again, that, that wouldn't necessarily matter so much as long as you're not aerosolizing it. So if your thought is, well, I'm just going to give birth in my backyard hot tub, that's really not a good idea. A hot tub is not a birthing tub. You could have a low level of pathogens that you don't know about that when if the jets are on, you can get aerosolized and the infant can get pneumonia. And so we saw that going on in home births more often than in hospital births in that case study. Um, so, so there's that piece. You know, the other piece is you really need to have somebody who understands what water birth is and understands the protocols. The other thing that we found really associated with poor outcomes was not following standard protocols for water immersion, that either somebody thought they knew what they were doing and hadn't actually been trained or just didn't chose not to follow protocols for what is and is not healthy um, for being in the water. As we wrap up, final question for resources about water births and where families can go, what do you recommend? I recommend um, if you don't have water immersion available at your local hospital and verify that you do, definitely go on the hospital tour before you decide and make sure that what they have is actually a birth tub and not just a labor tub. Check with your childbirth educators and your doulas in the community. They can tell you what other resources are available. Uh, Not every community has a birth center, but you might be close enough to a birth center with a water birth tub that you can use. 
Um, it's also possible, you know, so your your home bathtub isn't really appropriate for, for most people. Their home bathtub isn't appropriate for water birth. It's just not deep enough. But you can rent tubs that are appropriate for water birth if you want to have a water birth at home with a midwife. Dr. Vanillon, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure for everyone out there. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day.